Welcome everyone to Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker, joined as always by Santiago Beltran, and we're getting there. Still no games to talk about, but we have part two of sorts today that's going to give a big overview for the final 11 matches and different scenarios for every type of playoff possibility that St. Louis City SC can look forward to. We're all itching to get back to MLS play as we're starting the show off with some exciting player news. But before we get into all of that, Santi, how are you? How's your week been and how's it going? Doing great, Matt. It's it's Thursday, almost the end of the week. Uh, that means that we are getting closer to that return of MLS play against Austin FC on Sunday, August 20th. Ten days. Ten nobody's, days. Nobody's counting, right? No, ten days from when we're recording, absolutely nobody's counting. It's not the thing on our, all of our minds. We're not itching to get going, but... You know, we've got some exciting news to get into. I didn't know how much news we'd actually have, but given that this was the first week the city got back into training and and started getting back on the field as a cohesive unit, it was the first availability for Bradley Carnell, and boy, was it worth it. We got some really good updates, I feel, starting off with the, the bit of news I think we all wanted to hear about, Joao Klaus. Carnell says, and I quote, he's feeling pretty good. We're hoping that he progresses intensely. You guys haven't seen in the past couple of days, but he's been working really hard. He's putting in a lot of effort over the last couple of days. And the biggest thing is to feel confident and secure and comfortable in terms of how his body's feeling. So that's been the biggest thing for him. And it hasn't quite felt right yet. We have one more image to do before we get that final go ahead. And hopefully if nothing comes up between what he said, between me and a lightning strike right now, he should be progressing next week on the field, partial with the team. So barring any massive unforeseen circumstances, everything that they're thinking, he should be a participant in team activities next week. Yeah, so that's encouraging, but I think it will depend on how you look at it. Because, yeah, if he's back with um, team activities next week, I don't think he will be available for the game against Austin FC. And um, that's what, uh, like, before League's Cup... uh, I think Bradley was very optimistic about maybe having him available for League's Cup, not for League's Cup, for um, August 20th against Austin. But um, I think it's going to be at least another week after that game, maybe two. But it's good that he's he's progressing okay. Hopefully this next image goes okay and and he can start... um, soccer activities with with the team next week i'm looking forward to uh going to practice next practice next week and hopefully see him uh playing with the guys i wouldn't be surprised if there's a few extra media members at the training next week not just for klaus but for the next guy we're going to talk about uh nukvi torison he has his work visa and should be in st louis maybe today maybe tomorrow as we're recording this on thursday night but bradley carnell said he expects to see torison saturday The staff's going to evaluate him and run baseline tests to see where his fitness is since he hasn't played in a competitive match since May 13th. Carnell said this week, quote, I asked him, what's your best attribute? He says, I'm aggressive and I'm running and I fight for the ball. I'm like, yes, we love all those attributes, Carnell said. And he's a proven goal scorer as well. So what he can do is play multiple positions. We like the all-arounder tag at this club. So he can play left wing back. He can play left 10, the central attacking midfielder. He can play central striker. There's multiple positions he can play. Again, how he fits and evolves and adapts into our system. We just have to give him time. And through all this, it's important to know, Torison will wear the number 29. This, Santi, I'm interested to hear what you think about this because the options, and we're going to talk about it in the coming weeks, sound pretty limitless as far as how he can slot into any type of squad we roll out. 
Yeah, no, it's great that uh, he's going to be in St. Louis within that timeline we had initially estimated. Um, obviously, the team will have to evaluate him. And, and Carnell said, like, we're not going to rush him. Uh, we're going to do, like, the whole evaluation uh, when you think it's the second half of the season, but it's only 11 games. So uh, we just want to make sure that long term we do what's best for the team. So, but yeah, it's exciting when he's ready to play and fit. Um, he he will he will have uh, multiple things, multiple roles. He can feel for for the team. But um, it'll be interesting to see if he goes directly with City when he's ready, or he still sees some time with City too. I, I asked Carnell about that, and uh, he said I asked him about uh, Markanic, uh, which we will talk about next, and. Uh, Torison, I, I asked him, like, is part of the plan maybe having them spend some time with CD2? And he said for Marcanic, he was like, no, he, he has been, he's in soccer form. He has been playing with Colorado, played with first team sometime, has been playing with with second team, with um, Rapids too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's necessary, but we'll see. And then uh, with Torison, he just said, we'll, we'll see, how, we'll evaluate him and and go from there. Um, so he didn't discount it. Uh, so we'll see if maybe we'll we'll see Torison start with City Two, so he can get back in form. Yeah, that's the interesting approach with City Two that I think we're looking forward to in the next couple of weeks with Torison and with Klaus even, because like you said, I wouldn't expect Klaus at all for for the Austin match on August twentieth. But with some City Two matches coming up, I. I could see an easy possibility of a potential Klaus Torison uh, partnership for City Two as they both ramp up, so to speak. I completely agree, and I think it makes all the sense in the world that if Markanic can slot right in, and you expect him to be a backup, and he's going to be the backup to Hebert to start, then why not slot him right into the game day roster since he's in game form? He's coming off of his own half season with Rapids Two. That makes all the sense in the world. And let's stick with Markanic right now because he did begin training with the team this week. He showed up in their video back to training at the beginning of the week, and he's wearing the number 13, uh, a notable number. That's interesting that he picks that low number that's available to him. I wonder if he just showed up first and got the dibs over uh, Torison on that one. <laughs> but either way, either way, that type of a number for for the player, I think uh, that that bodes well for you know seeing him on the field. If you want to read anything into the numbers and, and how they play into uh, availability or likelihood of minutes, I think the depth that he's going to provide is going to be most interesting. It's it's not lost on me either, and we're not going to get into it tonight, but it's not lost on me that the MLSPA released their free agent list for the end of the season, and Johnny Nelson is on that list, coinciding with uh, Anthony Markanik appearing for City as a supposed backup to that left-back role to start, with you know potential future ahead of him it's gonna be interesting to see how that depth chart on the left side and how really those roster slots break down yeah it will be interesting for sure and also not only for the end of the season but also for upcoming game day rosters Uh, yeah because i don't think uh the team will go with two left backs on the on the game day roster uh, on the bench so uh, i think um between marcanic Nelson and Pedro, if he doesn't go on loan, which is actually something we, we should clarify uh, when we were talking on the last spot and mm-hmm. and we were talking about the end of the transfer window, that, that was more for playing in MLS, USL. Incoming. But 
in coming to America. Yeah. Yeah. But um, a lot of the transfer windows in uh, Europe are still open That's right. until the end of the month. So it is possible that one of these options um, that the team and his agent have been looking at could materialize before August 31st. So we'll see what happens with Pedro um, between Marcanic and um, Johnny Nelson. My gut tells me that at the end of the year, when the team has to make decisions, uh, I think uh, one of the two uh, won't be with the team in 2024. All right, you heard it here first. Santiago predicting one of Marcanic or Nelson will go out at the end of the year. I'll be interested to see how the last 11 games break down for those two, especially because there's a lot to fight for if that's at stake. Speaking of fighting, Joachim Nilsson is our last player news of the week. And more good news. So I think all around, there's good news as far as depth, arrivals, health. Joachim Nilsson played 45 minutes a couple weeks ago in his first return with City 2, scored a goal. Played 78 minutes in his second game with City 2, scored a goal. Bradley Carnell said, we've seen Joachim rack up some minutes with City 2, which has been awesome. Besides his contribution, just getting him those volume of minutes has been good. Had to dial him back a few notches because we expect a little bit of recourse along the way. So with him this week, just doing partial training. So Thursday we have off, then we're reconvening on Friday to see how he can be a part of the Atlanta scrimmage. Carnell also did caution Santi that he doesn't know if he's going to be a full 90 minutes fit for Austin, but he's looking for him to contribute in some form or fashion. And... I mentioned I, I talked the other day to some people at the City Two game that the progression is pretty apparent right now. So there's obviously caution in not wanting to ramp him up too quickly. But going from 45 to 78, when you're two weeks out, you have an opportunity for a scrimmage. It, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I'm I'm almost in fact hoping for it, optim- not even overly optimistically, to see him start against Austin. I think that is absolutely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, yeah, that could be possible um but if he starts he probably played 70 minutes or something like that right he could and that could be an interesting opportunity to get mark annex a match time right so you have hebert that starts on the left back slot him over when uh, when or if nielsen goes out i mean there's some options for synergy on getting these guys game minutes that that haven't really appeared for city yet yeah but yeah it's encouraging to see um joachim nielsen back uh he had a couple of good outings with CD2, scored two goals. Uh, it will be, um, it looks like he, he's a weapon on, on those uh, set pieces. So um, we'll probably see some of that when he is playing for City. Hopefully, um, I, I know Carnell said that they had to uh, give him some rest this week. Um, hopefully, it's just nothing major, just the normal uh, recovery from an injury, from playing games and uh, training uh, with intensity. But yeah, it'll be great to see him uh, against Austin. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the back line would look like when, when he's back, see if we will continue with with four in the back or if maybe we will transition to uh, three center backs and wing backs. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that is going to shape up. A lot of options with an extra center back, with an extra left back. That will be interesting. But before we uh, before we move on to the second half of the season preview, or really the last final third preview of the season, 
Let's do a little quick Leagues Cup update because that's all we have to look for right now. We don't have city matches. We're going to do a quick preview in a few minutes, but I wanted to touch on just your thoughts on some of the notable matches, matches predictions, any surprises or disappointments because we, we were asked about this on Twitter X. And so I'll start us off with just giving an update on where Leagues Cup is. As we're recording on Thursday night, we do have matches on Friday, but we're down to the quarterfinals. We have LAFC Monterey going at it on uh, Friday at 9.30. We have Nashville, who beat Club America, which that's a notable match. Nashville facing uh, Minnesota United on Friday at 7.30. Philadelphia and Carretero going at it at 7 on Friday. And Miami and Charlotte at 7.30. Every single one of these has an interesting storyline to it. For me, it's... It's the powerhouse LAFC Monterey. I think that's probably the strongest head-to-head matchup that we're going to see. The Nashville-Minnesota uh, matchup has the background of Nashville squeaking by Club America. Philadelphia and Carretero are probably tactically the most exciting matchup to watch. And then, of course, the messy factor in Miami-Charlotte. And from what I've seen on social media, now I haven't been as active this week as I usually am, Andrew Weeby from Extra Time seems to be going at it with the Charlotte FC fans with uh, comments made that I think he said they might allow nine goals to Messi. <laughs> but to be fair, Charlotte has allowed the most goals of any team in MLS this year. And uh, I, you know me, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to dunk on Charlotte. So <laughs> 40 goals allowed in, I think, 23 matches. That's got to be said and pointed out when you're facing Messi, who doesn't need a goal advantage to come back and win a game. Yeah, it's definitely not a no, not a good matchup, uh, and yeah, I, I don't think it will be nine goals, but uh, <laughs> I think M- Messi will continue his his scoring streak, and Miami will will advance. But yeah, some interesting games for sure. I think the winner between Monterey and LAFC will make the final on that side of the bracket, yeah. and. Um, uh, were we supposed to make a prediction on, on the winner, right? Hey, you, yeah, go for it. I think we should make predictions on winners of each one of those and who we... Because I don't know if we'll get to League's Cup much next week with an actual match to preview, so might as well do it now and see how we hold up. Yeah, so for... I, I think Miami is going to win the whole thing. Uh, mm. And it will play the final against the winner of LAFC and... Monterey, um, which I guess if I have to pick one of the two, I'm going to go with LAFC. Then on the Nashville-Minnesota game, going with Nashville, Miami beats Charlotte. And uh, let's go with a surprise. Querétaro continues uh, surprising and they advance and uh, they will be the only Liga MX representation left. So going from two Liga MX in the quarterfinals, six MLS, down to three and one in the semis. That's where you're going with it? Yep. And then you have a final of LAFC and Inter-Miami? Yep. But uh, who were uh, your disappointments uh, on this league? Cup? I just went back to the group stage and I looked through, um, I looked through every team that had zero points and I called out Seattle for having zero in the Monterey Salt Lake group called out St. Louis. I mean, honestly, that was a really disappointing group stage, regardless of uh, what our priorities were or what our rotation was to get zero points was disappointing. And then Chivas Chivas having zero points in the central three group of FC Cincinnati and sporting Kansas city. 
And that kind of led into my uh, surprises. So those were the disappointing, those three teams. The surprises were Kansas City getting out of the group. Um, and then in the knockout rounds, I was pretty surprised that I was just surprised in the number of ties or draws that went to PKs because it seems like every single match here in the past few days has gone to PKs and yeah, PKs are exciting, but you know, it goes to show the overall closeness of all of these matches. I just, I hope that when they evaluate this tournament going forward, that's one of the things they look at because it just, it seems like there has to be a, and I understand you don't want to have 30 minutes of extra time and continue Mm -hmm. more, more, uh, wear and tear on the players, but you know, it, it's just, it's not as exciting. You're taking a little bit of the anticipation out when you're just looking at PK after PK after PK for, it's gotta be 50% of these teams to move on. Yeah. And then the other, the other surprising thing was Charlotte credit where they're yeah. where to do, I suppose. But for a team that's, I think 12th in the MLS East to have moved on to the quarterfinals, it's, that's impressive. I definitely don't think they're going to beat Miami, but it's impressive and surprising that they've gotten as far as they have. Yeah, yeah. On my disappointments, uh, yeah, I had Chivas, and I also had uh, City's next opponent, Austin FC. Uh, they were in a group with two teams from Liga MX and ended up losing yeah. uh, both games. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if, if you saw on social media, but... Uh, there is a reported in, in Austin that he actually asked on the press conference, uh, it was for the first game, I think it was for the game against Mazatlan, and mm-hmm. the way he framed his question, he was saying, oh, we, we were happy that Austin drew Mazatlan and Juarez instead of other teams from Liga MX, and then uh, they ended up losing against Mazatlan, and he got a, he got a lot of a lot of hate in social media from people from Mazatlan. Yeah, that's, I mean, if you're going to make a statement like that, you have to hope that the team that you're supporting backs it up. And that we've gotten lucky in that regard because, you know, we've talked a fair bit of smack here and there as far as touting our team and what we're capable of in general. And Leagues Cup aside, I think we've been fairly lucky in that regard. Anything else? So I think we've got our predictions we well your predictions i'm gonna go with you i like the idea of i I think it makes sense to have inter miami winning it uh with everything they've done so far their ability to come from behind their ability to uh, hold a lead when they have it and the messy factor i mean it's real and it's legitimately if you give him a free kick anywhere within 15 20 yards from the 18 yard box it's it might as well be a pk at this point that's the way it's looking and it's just the the sheer talent that he has. And he's done it everywhere he's played. So to me, it's not any knock on MLS quality, goalkeeping, or anything like that. It's just the quality of Messi. These shots are insane. And I do. I also like that your call-out of the winner of the LAFC-Monterey match is likely to move on. Uh, there are the powerhouses on that side of the bracket. And so I, I could look forward to either Monterey-Miami or LAFC-Miami. And, and don't forget, as we move on to these next semifinals, after tomorrow's matchups, uh, the final four teams, three of those teams will earn CONCACAF Champions Cup berths. The top three teams go on. So that's that's what's at stake when we get these semifinalists uh, as, they, as they shake out. So when you're watching LAFC Monterey, when you're watching Philadelphia Union Carretero, if LAFC and Philadelphia can win, that means MLS will be guaranteed three CONCACAF Champions Cup spots, and that's massive implications for the CONCACAF Champions Cup spots in MLS play. 
So we're talking about LAFC would, if they earn one in MLS play, they would have the next best available. Same thing with a potential Nashville, Minnesota, Philadelphia, or, or Miami. So that's, that's going to be fun to watch and to consider after Friday's matchups going into the semifinals on August 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully um, MLS gets the three or at least two of those, um, which uh, will open more possibilities for City to um, go to uh, the CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, next year. Exactly. All right, Santi, this is the thing that we've been talking about on our uh, group chat for a good week now. We're going to do some fun stuff here for this final third preview. And it's final third because 34 games in an MLS season, we only have 11 left. It's it's not split evenly at that League's Cup break. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go through scenarios. Every scenario that we need to keep in mind when it comes to playoff potentialities, playoff storylines. And then after that, Santi and I are going to have some fun with the remaining 11 matches. And we're going to do a lightning round. We're going to have 60 seconds or so to go through each matchup high level and just get a feel for what we have in store because on future flyover footies, we're still going to do our regular previews. Once we get back into match play, we're still going to have flyover fallout on our Mondays, flyover footy recording Thursday, airing on Friday. But this is going to be the primer. This is going to get us started, get us all the information we really need to know for how many points do we need to do certain things for the playoffs and what teams lie ahead. So Santi, I'm going to go first, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Okay. So I know we our numbers are slightly different, I think. I think they're pretty close based on... Yeah, uh, they're, they're close. We, we, had, we did independent uh, analysis on this one. And so I'll go first, and then you tell me uh, how yours different and uh, kind of what, what you did to get these different. So there yep. are four, four scenarios that we look to for this. One is to make a wildcard berth, to be in the top nine in our conference. Another is to make the playoffs without wildcard, be in the top seven. Another is to secure home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs, be in the top four. And the other is to win the conference. All right. So what I did to try to figure out what we need to do in our last 11 to reach these milestones is looking at the last two years of historical data. Because honestly, before 2021, you're looking at the COVID year and you're looking at playoffs that had far fewer teams and far fewer slots available for the playoffs. So in the past two years, 2021 and 2022, there were top seven teams made the playoffs, very similar to how this year is without those wild card matchups at each conference. So looking at what we need to do to make one of those wild card spots and be a top nine team. Historically, 2021, it took about a 1.32 or 138 points per game by each conference. In 2022, it took 1.26 and 1.24 points per game. And City right now, in order to get to 1.3 points per game, needs to have 45 points total. And that's my that's my threshold is 1.3. That's a fair average of historicals. And it also looks to what the teams are this year in the standings. In order to reach that, St. Louis just needs three more points. And we're a playoff team. Three more points in 11 matches. That's one win. That's three ties. This is not hard to do. And it's almost a gimme. My next one, to make the playoffs, to be a top seven team. In 2021, it was a 1.41 points per game. In 2022, it was a 1.38 or 1.41 in each conference. To do that, to, for St. Louis City to get 1.41 points per game, 
we need to have 48 points after 34 matches. 47 will get us 1.38, so that's a bubble. Historically, to make the playoffs, St. Louis would need six or seven points out of a possible 33 remaining. So we could go two 11 and 0, two wins, 11 losses, or two wins, nine losses, and no draws. Or we could go uh, two eight and one. So two wins, eight losses, one draw to do this, depending on six or seven. And it's it kind of gets into what the teams below you do at that point. But I think six or seven points, and we're secure in the top seven. To secure home field in the first round, it gets a little higher. 2021, to be a top four team, you had to have 1.62 or 1.5 points per game. 2022, you had to have 1.47 or 1.56 points per game. Currently, 1.5 points per game right now is a top four team, and that's the Seattle Sounders. 53 points total will get to 1.56 points per game. That would be almost guaranteed to earn us home field based on the current standings and historical average, 1.56 points per game. St. Louis would need 12 points out of a possible 33 remaining. So we could go 4-7-0. We could go 3-4-4 to do this, but with only two ties through 23 games so far, I'm not banking on ties. I'm looking at the Cardinal philosophy of you go for it. You go for broke. Four wins. Four wins in the stretch will get us home field in the first round. And then the big one, to win the conference. What do we think we need to do to win the whole Western Conference? Well, in 2021, it took 1.79 points per game in the Western Conference. It was higher in the East. It took In 2022, it took 1.97 points per game in both conferences. The key to this, though, is what did the next highest team in each conference do? And it was a pretty big spread the past, two, past few years. We're talking about 1.76, 1.65. So a 0.25 points per game difference, basically. So currently in the West, with St. Louis being in first place, We have 1.78 points per game. Now, FC Cincinnati in the other conference has 2.22 points per game. They're just, they're having an absurd season. But I see, I say that 60 points total will get us to 1.76 points per game. And that is likely to win us the conference based on the current standings and the historical averages. So to do that, to get 60 points, St. Louis needs 19 points out of a possible 33 remaining meaning we could go 6-4-1 and one, or we can go 7-4-0 and oh, and we'd have it done. We're talking six wins and a tie down the stretch or seven wins out of 11, and I think we'll win the conference. Wow. Yeah, six, six, yeah I think six wins, six wins will get City very close to uh, winning the conference and getting that home field advantage for uh, – the playoffs for all games in the in the conference uh, should it make it to the final but yeah as you were saying we we were pretty close uh i uh, my approach was um like more loose uh, i didn't look at two years i i look at 2022 i look at the standings kind of uh where the points um how many points the team that ended in nine position eight position had and same thing for um, for making the playoffs without that playing game. So I look at the seven positions. Same thing with home field advantage, and finally um, winning the conference uh, in the standings. So so I look at yeah I look at 2022, and I also looked at um, how the team's performances um, so far this year, like uh, what the team for example for making it to nine position. I look at 
the team that is currently in 10 positions, how many points they have so far and uh, how many points they have left. And based on their trend, based on the current points they have, kind of calculate how many points they can get. And based on that, um, I got to uh, what city needs. So we're slightly different. As I said, mine is more loose, more kind of a back of a napkin calculation. But I have uh, to to finish ninth, uh, three points. So basically, you win against Austin on August 20. And, and in theory, mathematically, during the playoffs, and you can kind of start thinking about bigger goals. Then um, for making the playoffs outright without that playing game, um, I have eight points. So you had seven, so so pretty yep. close. For ending uh, fourth, which will uh, give the team home field advantage in that first round of the playoffs, I have 11, so also pretty close to um, yep. what you had. The one where, where we have a little bit of a difference is the conference. Um, I have 21 points. You have 19. Uh, but two points I, difference on that. So two points, but I agree. Six wins uh, will get the team very close. Hopefully, a tie here and there, and and that will that will do it for for winning the conference. Yeah. So the the biggest difference you and I have because we're we're aligned on the wild card top nine. We're aligned on the top seven uh, to win the conference. I'm a little. Um, I'm a little more optimistic that it will only take 19 compared to your 21. I found out where we're different on the, the home field in the first round. So my calculation has us getting to 1.56 points per game. Yours has us getting to 1.53, which I think that that might do it. So I might defer to you on that as far as 11 points historically uh, and, and currently right now with Seattle Sounders having 1.5 a 1.53 is likely to do that too. So mine is a little more firm. Like if we get 12 points, we're in the top four. Yeah. If, if we get if we get 11, based on how the the trends are right now with Seattle having 1.5, I think you're right. I think we'll be in. And then, boy, some of these scenarios, Santi, of getting getting one win, getting two wins and a draw, getting uh, getting what three wins, four wins, getting six wins or seven wins, like. These seem pretty doable given the the way that St. Louis has strung together wins in the past. And I think it does come out to starting strong against Austin. So the question is, Santi, what are the teams that we're going to be playing? What position are they in the table? What's their form? What are we going to have to look forward to? And let's we, we talked about this, about doing this a fun little way right now. We're going to do a lightning round for lightning round preview of all 11 remaining matches. Now, like I said, each week we're still going to go deep into each one of these teams, but this kind of gives you a primer into what's ahead of us. And then we're going to recap it all with a possible path to each one of these scenarios, to the top nine, seven, four, and the conference win. So, Santi, I'm going to try to keep us on track. I have I have my uh, my timer here. I'm going to keep both of us on, on, on point here. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Starts off August 20th against Austin in the home matchup. I have Austin is fifth in the West with 32 points. Now setting the stage, St. Louis has 41 points right now through 23 games. Austin is fifth in the West with 32 points on a nine, nine and five record with a zero goal differential. The last time these two met, nobody could forget it. Entirely memorable matchup. 
Opening game, City winning 3-2. to two. They were bounced from League's Cup. Austin was right after the group stage, just like St. Louis City. So they've had the exact same amount of time to rest. Austin, from what we understand, decided to go straight back into practice as opposed to St. Louis, who took some time. Uh, Austin have made two significant signings during the transfer window. They've signed veteran defender Matt Hedges from Toronto FC. And the somewhat blockbuster trade, they shipped Diego Fagundes to the LA Galaxy for Memo Rodriguez. Both of these players returning to Texas. Hedges played for Dallas, Memo from Houston. And the leading goal scorer for Austin right now is Sebastian Driussi with six. Jassi Zardes also has six. And uh, Pereira and Cascante have assist leaders at five and four. That was one minute. <laughs> Not joking here. Let's go. All right. Next, uh, we have uh, an away game against Orlando City. Uh, Orlando is currently fifth in the East, East Eastern Conference, 37 points, plus six goal differential. The record at home is five one, three lost and four draws. In the League's Cup, the, they lost in the round of 32 against Miami. They went uh, one win and one tie in group stage with a win against Santos Laguna. Their league form before the break, um, they had three wins and one tie with a win against Atlanta in their last game. Their last loss at home was against DC United on April 22nd. After that, they have gone four wins and three draws. And this is the only non-conference matchup left for St. Louis City. As far as signings, uh, they uh, signed uh, midfielder Junior Urso. He actually was with them uh, between 2020 and 2022. So he's back from playing in Brazil. And my minute is up. After Orlando, we have a midweek matchup. Dallas at home. And this is... This is a revenge matchup a little bit. So currently Dallas sits eighth in the West with a eight, nine, and six record, a minus one goal differential. So they've had a bit of a downward trend since we last saw them. Last time we played them, of course, they won two nothing, but it was that split game due to the weather. Uh, there's a, not a lot you can take away from that just because of how it ended up playing out. But since then, Dallas have acquired Asier Iramendi, a midfielder with nearly 350 matches between Real Sociedad and Real Madrid in La Liga. They've acquired Ghanaian forward Eugene Ansa and Canadian international midfielder Luis Frazier. And they've also shipped out some players. Uh, they've, they've shipped out their homegrown midfielder Edwin Sarillo over to the LA Galaxy that I'll touch on in a minute. But Dallas having changed up a few of their, few of their key players, their leading goal scorer so far this year, no stranger, Jesus Ferreira with 10 goals scored. And the way that he's able to, to get through a midfield is going to be the thing to watch for in this match. All right, next we have Sporting KC for the, for the second. It's an away game. Um, second installment of the Clásico de la Capital. Sporting KC is, is 11 in the West with 26 points, minus five goal differential. The record at home, five wins, five losses, and two draws. And last time around, the first time these teams met, uh, City won 4-0 with a brace from Indiana Basilev and uh, Edward Lubin and Kansas City native uh, Nico Joachini scoring. Lost in the round of 32 uh, against Toluca, 4-1 in League's Cup. When uh, 
one win and one loss in in group in group play, uh, beating um, Chivas. I mean, uh, one win and one tie. They beat Chivas. Before the break, they they won one, lost two, and uh, tied one with um, with a loss against Austin FC before the break. And they started the league with one point in five matches. And since then, 25 points, uh, which basically, if you look at City, they got, City got 26 points after 26 points after that 5-0 start. So pretty close. I think uh, Sporting KC has one, one more game or two more games, but still pretty close. And sorry, my minute is up, so I'm going to skip the uh, transactions they made. Hey, we, we pulled an audible at the beginning of this just uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit. Went from 90 to 60 seconds to try to fit all of these into about 10 minutes. So you're forgiven entirely, Santi. <laughs> After you. Sporting Kansas City, uh, we continue on the road. This is going to be our road stretch for the game. So Sporting Kansas City, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, three-game road stretch. That's going to be a tough one. LA Galaxy, they're still meddling in the basement of the West, currently sitting 13th with a 5-10-7 record and a minus 12 goal differential. But I think they've been the most active of any team in this transfer window, which is kind of ironic given that they've had an international transfer ban from a previous MLS penalty that they've had to sustain. This is going to be a different Galaxy team than the one that tied City 1-1 at City Park earlier this year. They've acquired defender Tony Alfaro from NYCFC, the aforementioned Diego Fagundes from Austin, defender and former Japanese international Maya Yoshida from FC Schalke, but he was a free agent, so they were allowed to bring him in. Forward Michael Barrios from the Colorado Rapids. That's a big name that we talked about earlier this year. Along with, like I mentioned, FC Dallas homegrown midfielder Edwin Sarrio. And after all that, this week the Galaxy found out that with those additions, they're going to have to subtract out Gaston Brugman, who's going to be with lost for the year after undergoing surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. The Galaxy's leading goal scorer, and I have it here, is... Tyler Boyd with four goals. That's surprising. I didn't even look at that ahead of time. But Ricky Pouge, seven assists, is also their leading playmaker. All right. After that game, we go to Houston. Houston Dynamo is currently nine in the West with 29 points, minus five goal differential, record of seven, two, and two at home. It started uh, with home record of five wins, um, zero losses, one tie. But after that, they went right with a 2-2-1 two, two with losses against Seattle Sounders and Minnesota. They also drew against uh, Sporting KC. The first time St. Louis City and Houston played, City won 3 with goals from Edward Leuven, Tomas Ostrak, and Nico Joachini. They lost in the round of 16 against Charlo in League's Cup and had ties against uh, Orlando, Santos, and Pachuca. So they had a quite a few uh, penalty kicks uh, in those games. Before League's Cup, their record in July was 0-2-2. And their last game before the break, they tied 0-0 with Colorado. Uh, they're currently in a five-game winless streak. They made a, quite a few transactions. Uh, they brought a Polish midfielder, Sebastian Kowalczyk from um, Poland. And he has experience um, in their national team. That was their only uh, arrival. Uh, they also signed uh, Nelson Quinones, who was on loan uh, from Once Caldas from Colombia. And um, their DP, Sebastian Ferreira, went on loan to uh, Vasco da Gama. All right. After we have our three-game road stretch, we return home on a Wednesday to play 
LAFC, another midweek LAFC match. The last time LAFC beat us 3-0 at BMO Stadium. LAFC is currently second in the West with a 10-6-7 record and a plus-9 goal differential. Listen, if their fixture congestion earlier this season and then they've still remained second in the West, is any indication of their consistency in depth and talent? LAFC, like we said, are still in League's Cup. They're still going far in this tournament, playing Monterey this weekend in the quarterfinals. In this transfer window, LAFC saw the return of defender Mamadou Fall from his loan to Villarreal. They acquired forward Mario Gonzalez from Braga, a Bulgarian international midfielder, Flip Kroslev, on a loan from Lomal SK in the Belgian second division, and they brought back defender Eddie Segura. Their only loss this window was in selling Jose Cifuentes to Rangers. LAFC's leading goal scorer is Denny Bawanga with 12. Carlos Vela has eight goals, and Vela leads them with six assists. All right, next we have a visit to Minnesota United FC. They are currently 10 in the West with 28 points, minus four goal differential. They don't have a good record at home, two, two, and six. They are still alive in League's Cup play with a PK win against Toluca. Their form before the break, 2-1-1 uh, with a draw at home, 1-1 against LAFC before the break. In terms of transfers, um, actually, I, I didn't put this, but this team's already played. Um, sadly, it was a 1-0 win for Minnesota United back in April. That was uh, mm -hmm. the end of that five-game winning streak for City. In terms of transfers, um, so one transfer that didn't happen during this transfer window, but that would be important, uh, South Korean uh, Center forward Sam Bin Jong. He was signed like before Minnesota played City back in April. He he and he wasn't available for that game, but since then he has been playing with Minnesota, and City will probably see him. They also uh, they were very active in the market in this transfer window. They um, they brought a uh, forward uh, Timo Puki, uh, Finland's all-time leading scorer. He was the last five years with Norwich City, scored 88 goals and recorded 29 assists in two, 210 matches. They also brought another attacker, um, veteran MLS winger uh, Ismael Tahuri Shradi, 28 goals and nine assists in nine, 90 MLS matches with New York City FC, New England, and LAFC. And Finally, they brought back uh, Jan Gregus uh, in a trade with Nashville. He had previously played for Minnesota from 2019 to 2021 and uh, has scored two goals and had 24 assists in 105 MLS matches during his career. That team is not going to be fun to play, I can tell you right there. Mm -hmm. um, next, next matchup is at home. Circle this one in permanent marker on your calendars, September 30th. It's the hopefully not rubber match, but it's the third match these times these teams will play each other. St. Louis, Sporting Kansas City, 7.30 p.m., September 30th at City Park. Santi went into what Sporting Kansas City has been up to, but I do want to add Felipe Gutierrez, the one big name they brought through, brought in on the transfer window. Former SKC designated player from 2018 to 2020. He was brought back. He had played in 2022 with the Colorado Rapids. Most recently played in Awasal in the United Arab Emirates. And he's going to add another experience option in the midfield group along with Gadikinda, Eric Tommy, Remy Walter, Nemanda Rodoha, 
and Roger Espinoza. So an extra firepower added from Sporting Kansas City for that September 30th matchup. We're getting closer to the end of the season. So the next one um, we have is against Vancouver. Uh, at Vancouver, it's a Wednesday night game. Vancouver is currently seven in the West with 31 points, plus six goal differential. The record at home is seven, two, and four. In League's Cup, they went uh, one, zero, and two with ties against Leon and Tigres, but they lost in the round of 32 against Tigres in the in the PKs. Before the break, they had record of two, two, zero, but won their last two games against Austin, two, two, one, and LA Galaxy, four, two, both at home. The first time these teams uh, saw each other was back in May at City Park with a 3-1 win for St. Louis City, but City didn't put the game away until the 94 minute with that goal that uh, that basically made City Park really loud. Goal is scored by uh, Miguel Perez. And uh, one thing notable about that match was uh, the coaches... Um, Bani Sartini complaining about the refereeing in the game. In terms of transfers, they 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 sent uh, Julian Gressel to Columbus in a trade. They also yeah. sent uh, Deiber Caicedo to uh, Junior de Barranquilla in Colombia. But they they got some reinforcements uh, in defense. Uh, they got Canadian right back uh, Richie Larrea on loan from uh, Nottingham Forest. He was previously playing with Toronto, also uh, on loan. And uh, left back, um, Sam Aregubi from uh, from a team in Turkey and also a Canadian national team player. The, the, the thing with these two acquisitions, uh, right back and left back, is that it may allow uh, what Vani uh, Sartini likes to do uh, or what he prefers with three defenders and two wingbacks. So uh, this will be another interesting game that will not be easy for City. And then it all comes to decision day. The final match of the year will come after an international break. So we're going to have between October 4th in that Vancouver match and October 21st to look forward to this last one, a home matchup against the Seattle Sounders where a lot could be on the line. Every scenario that we talked about earlier could have implications, including Champions Cup spots. The last time these two teams met, Seattle beat St. Louis City 3-0 at Lumen Field, and it was a memorable match for City for a lot of ways. It was the first time that City ran out three center backs. Jabulu Blom suffered an injury. It was the second loss in a row at the time. Not a lot of positives came from that other than lessons learned. This time, City's going to be looking for revenge against the Sounders side that currently sit fourth place in the West with a 10-8-6 record and a plus-six goal differential. But since their last matchup, Seattle has added nobody. They stayed pat and will ride out mostly an aging core to the end of the season. There's lots of discussions on whether this is because they have contracts they can't get out of, there's a lack of movable assets. They were not looked highly upon as far as adding any, any weapons in this transfer window. And so it will be interesting to see how they develop in the last part of the season, especially considering their recent form. They haven't won since July 8th against Vancouver. They bounced out of the League's Cup. They were one of the disappointments we mentioned earlier after not winning a match in group stage. Their leading goal scorer is Jordan Morris with nine goals. Their leading assist man is Leo Chu with eight. This team coming into City Park with the loud atmosphere that we know it can be, 
there's a big opportunity for City in this one that we're going to touch on in a minute. But this is a heck of a way to end the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will. It will be one of those that uh, they will be playing for securing home field advantage or for winning the conference. But uh, there will be something on the line for both teams. And uh, what a way to close the regular season against one of the best teams in the conference. Santi, we promised earlier we'd give some paths to our playoff positions. So I have that we have five home matches left. And immediately you have to look to every one of those matches as the biggest opportunities for City to take points because of their their existing home record. Eight, three, and one at home, five, five, and one away. City is obviously stronger at home, not unlike most MLS teams. We know how hard it is to win away. So those five matches left at home to recap are Austin, who sits in fifth place, Dallas, who sits in eighth place, LAFC in second, Sporting Kansas City in 11th, Seattle Sounders in fourth. All but one currently sit in playoff positions. And St. Louis has a rocky history against some of those teams. Santi, I have a list of what I believe are expected winnable matchups. Matchups that I would say I would be frustrated if we lost. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're an indictment, but I would be frustrated if we lost these games. And then I have a handful of games that I think are hopeful winnable matchups based on everything we've talked about based on form, based on ads in the transfer window, and home, away, just games that we have opportunities with. So let me go with my path to each one of these scenarios, and then I'll let you say kind of how you tell me if you disagree or what what I did wrong. Because to start off, we just need a win, and we expect to be in wildcard position. You said it. I think that win comes against Austin. This is my expected winnable game against Austin. That win will ideally, in uh, statistically, should shore up at least a wild card spot. So to get in the full playoffs, I think I had seven points for a top seven spot. I have our expected winnable games of Austin, FC Dallas, and Sporting Kansas City. Those are the three games where I say if we lose those games, I will be rather upset. Dallas's form, uh, they're shipping out of their homegrown. They they are dropping this this season. I think they they are going in the wrong direction from City. And so that, to me, being a midweek matchup as well and at home is an opportunity for City. And then Sporting Kansas City, I think we could win either one. Both games are winnable to me, but especially the game at home. So that would be six points right there, and then a tie somewhere else would get us that full playoff spot. 12 points for home field in round one, or, or 11 points is what you had. So we'll go with 11, I think. So I have Austin, Dallas, Sporting Kansas City. We'll take three. The other Sporting Kansas City game, I think, can be expected to be a tie, I would hope. But my hopeful winnable games in these last 11, LA Galaxy away, Houston Dynamo away, Minnesota away potentially, but Vancouver or Sporting Kansas City away. So I could say either one of, two of Minnesota, Vancouver, or a second Sporting KC along with LA Galaxy and Houston. If we do all of those, we should shore up the conference win. That's my path. Okay. Okay. Um, So, yeah, if we go expected um, winnable games, uh, I have the same same three, Austin, Dallas, and Sporting KC at home. Those are three games that the team um, should win. And um, basically, so if you win against Austin, based on 
what we talked about, basically that clinches the playoffs and the team yeah. can move to uh, looking for uh, finishing in higher positions. Top seven, uh, you had seven, I had eight. Basically, those two wins against uh, Austin and Dallas the first during the first three games of, of this stretch will basically get the team very close. And um, then uh, I think top four is is there um, because if you win Austin, Dallas, Sporting KC, you're already at nine points. And then uh, as far as as far as hopeful wins, I have uh, I have Houston and Galaxy away, possibly Sporting KC away. But basically, for me, winning those three games at home, Austin, Dallas, Sporting KC and um, getting uh, some points away where it is wins or ties, I think uh, the team basically will finish top four. Uh, there is more work to do to uh, get that conference win. Um, I think uh, I think if the team beats uh, either LAFC or Seattle at home, that's, those are kind of yep. six-point games because it's yes. teams that are at the top of the conference and... If you win one of those, I think maybe it will be closer to that 19 you had instead of the 21 I had. But um, every, everything is possible for, for this team. And hopefully um, the stars uh, with a win right off the bat against Austin, That I think that will set up um, the mood and the expectations for, for the rest of the season. It's kind of like, I see it like kind of a, like a second home opener after... Yes a long break and um, Austin has had its up and downs during the season. But uh, to me, it's another like one of those six point games because they are like fifth on the table. If you win, you start distancing yourself from from those positions. So um, hopefully the team will come out uh, guns blazing and, and win that game and set the, set the table for the rest of the season. There are a lot of playoff teams that we're going to be facing. Six of the eight other teams that are in playoff position right now besides City, we're going to be facing head-to-head. There are a lot of these six-point matches that are in our future. And this, it, I completely agree. It all starts with Austin. It's kind of poetic because I like that you called it a second home opener of sorts or a second opener since we opened the season off against them in the fashion that we did. This is just as big of an opportunity to make a statement that after the League's Cup, Whatever was in those group stage matches, it was a blip. It was nothing. It's it's in the past. Nobody's even considering it because we come out strong against Austin, who is not good away. Their record's three six and two. We're gonna go deep into them next week and what they're gonna bring as we round the corner to August twentieth. But this, I, I do want to add Seattle to my list of hopeful winnable matches because I think everything I described of their aging group didn't add anybody. Poor form recently. They've been dropping a little bit. The, the key is going to be to not let the moment overwhelm you in that deadline day matchup. So that's going to be really fun. We have City Park at our at our backs on that. There's a lot to be excited about in these last 11 games. And so as we move forward, it's going to be fun to hit those milestones and say, okay, now we've reached the point where we expect that the playoffs are locked in. Now we expect that top seven is locked in. And hopefully it's not too long before we can say we expect top four is locked in. Those are going to be some really fun moments to celebrate in these last 11 games. Yeah, looking forward to uh, this final 11 games. And um, hey, who will have thought that after the break, uh, we will have uh, St. Louis City SC at the top of the table? I don't think 
anybody will will have expected that. If there's ever a time to just take a moment, step back, and realize just how good we have it right now, might as well do it in these next 10 days before we get to the nitty-gritty and before we start back into the thick of things. Like, Don't forget where we came from at the start of the season, how short of a time we've had with this club, and yet how passionate everybody has gotten. The The love affair is real. The team has has reciprocated in every every way, shape, and form. This is This is not normal for MLS teams to go through. I saw a comment the other day about Charlotte and there was a comment in, on a Twitter post that somebody said, oh, it's okay. You're just in your second year. Cincinnati took a while to, to figure it out too. We didn't take a while. We have to appreciate this while we can as we get excited for going forward. This is, this is a fun time to be a St. Louis City fan. It's a fun time to be a soccer fan and I can't wait for these last 11 games. Yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's have gone, it has gone so quickly, and I'm sure these 11 games will be the same. It will go quickly. It will be uh, October 21st for decision day uh, when we are, like, it will go really quick, and uh, hopefully, as we are thinking, it will be a meaningful game. And um, just looking forward to what the rest of the season can bring. All right, Santi, we did it. Our our final third preview. Let's get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you if you loved what you listened to, we, we love bringing it to you. Like, subscribe to all of our stuff, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of our socials at Flyover Footy. My name is Matt Baker. Santiago, thanks for joining me. Go City and can't wait to be back next week for a full Austin preview. Vamos City. Vamos City.